Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 124 of the John Riley Project. It's Sunday, April 5th, 2020. We are broadcasting, as we always do, from the city in the country, Poway, California. Thanks for joining us. This is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we're going to get into, you know, what's going on with this whole COVID-19 situation. You know, the world is changing. Um, the way our society works, uh, the way our economy works, things are shifting. We're going to do a little future casting and talk a bit about, you know, what the what, what's going to look like on the other end of this. When we come out the other side, how is the world going to be different? And are you prepared? What are some of the things you can be doing now to be ready when we finally get get through this pandemic. Um, this episode today, by the way, is sponsored by our friends at PowayStore.com. Um, wow. Just recently, we, we just did a great podcast with Pete Neild um, yesterday. And the great thing is, is that Pete was our first podcast guest. We're doing it on Zoom now. So now we can't have guests coming into the podcast studio here, uh, you know, just because of what's going on with uh, physical distancing. And so um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to opening up this podcast and having more guests come on through Zoom. I uh, kind of figured out all the kinks in the system. So not only can we do Zoom like many of us are already doing in the corporate world, but um, I've been able to figure out how to get really high quality audio so we can share that with our audio only friends that listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other great audio only podcast platforms where we distribute our content. So, um, you know, just put a shout out there. If you're interested in being a guest on the John Riley Project, send me a note. Uh, visit our website at johnreillyproject.com, and there you can contact us or just reach out to me on social media. Um, but uh, yeah, Pete was terrific. We had a great conversation about the notion of liberty in the context of this shelter-in-place situation, and we explored a lot of different angles, talked a little bit about World War II and and some of the uh, historical things our society has gone through with you know major events and how our world shifts. So I, I thought it was a great conversation. I encourage you to go check that out. Um, Hey, we've been having some earthquakes. Did you feel the one today? It was a 3.5 out in Palm Springs. We had a much bigger one yesterday, a 4.9 out in Anza. So the world is, man, I'm telling you, the economy is shifting. The world is rumbling and shaking. Um, this is something. We're living in some pretty amazing times right now. Um, I do want to just really give a, a, you know, just kind of a sad moment. Um, Bill Withers died. And if you have ever, you've heard his music before, Lean on Me and, you know, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Man, that's just a great song. And, uh, you know, Lovely Day. I mean, the guy is fantastic. And if, if you ever get a chance, check out on YouTube. Bill Withers has a, a YouTube live performance. It's kind of like, you know, when they used to do those unplugged, you know, on MTV. It's him and his acoustic guitar. He's got some backup musicians with him. It is unbelievable. And Bill Withers, just a great guy, just a very humble man, a really authentic man. Um, you know, he had a job working, you know, in the airline industry, or actually the aerospace industry in Los Angeles uh, before he, you know, made it big. And that's why his first album, he's actually carrying his lunch pail because he was a blue collar worker. And then when contract negotiations and the business of music got kind of weird in the mid 80s, he, he left the business. And he had no problem with it because he had his own identity outside the music business. 
But what a just an incredible talent. Um, so I just really encourage you to go check that out. Uh, Bill Withers live on YouTube. And then, you know, I, I want to at least say this. Um, now, I, you know, I, I've talked about it. There were there were three bands that I really wanted to see. I made this decision maybe about five to eight years ago. There are three artists that I really wanted to see live in concert. You know, now I'm getting a little bit older. These are must see. And, and one of them I got to see, which was the band Rush. The, which was fabulous. I went to the concert at the San, uh, San Diego Sports Arena, and it was really their last tour. And then, you know, then uh, Neil Pert or Neil Peart, pardon me, um, had to you know step down from the band just due to physical issues. And now he has since passed away. Uh, rest in peace, Neil. We did a podcast about about Neil Peart and Rush. Uh, that was a fun one. I enjoyed that. The other band uh, or artist I really wanted to see, and he had come to Del Mar Fairgrounds to Kabu a few times, and that was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And um, I, and I missed him when he was in Del Mar, and I was going to see him another time, and he's always touring. And then he passed away suddenly. And this was how long ago? Maybe four years ago or so? Maybe three years? I can't recall. But that was a huge loss in music. So I never got the chance to see him. But the the last artist... And it's really a duo that I really want to see is Hall and Oates. Uh, just have always loved that that band. Um, those those two artists. Just you know, I've talked about I, I love yacht rock. Some of their music is yacht rockish, but it's just very soulful music. And was also pop. And you know, during the early days of MTV, and that kind of takes me back to my teenage years. And um, since then, I've I've often followed. You know, Daryl Hall has his show like um, at Daryl's house, and he invites these other musicians, and they have jam sessions, and it's really really good. And one time he had a, a, a band on with him called Finger Eleven, who I, I never really heard of, and they set up out in the field next to his house, and they just brought some chairs and set up, and they did a recording of Bill Withers' um, "Ain't No Sunshine." And it is really, really good. Now, granted, it's not Bill Withers. I mean, Bill Withers is up here um, at a very high level. This is not Bill Withers level, but it's still very, very good. Um, So I would encourage you to check that out also. Uh, Just look up Daryl Hall and Ain't No Sunshine. Um, And I think the credits, at least the title of the YouTube video, will also mention the band Finger Eleven. So it's just tremendous. Um, But, yeah, what a big loss in music. Uh, Bill Withers. um, Yeah, so that that was a sad moment. So I I was listening to a lot of Bill Withers on Friday while I was working and, um, you know, just really kind of reflecting on him. So what a great talent. Um, All right. So let's get into this whole COVID-19 and really – you know, they've been covering a lot of the, the uh, medical health related issues on the news. I'm not going to really go there. I want to talk about really from an economic perspective. And the, it's it's really it's ugly out there, my friends. And, and you, you already know that. I mean, the U.S. economy lost seven hundred and one thousand jobs in March as the worst month since the year 2009. Wow. Um there was a record 6.6 million people that filed for unemployment last week. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there is an animated chart that I've seen numerous people uh, post or share on Facebook that shows like the number of unemployment filings per week over the course of time. And, 
usually it's, you know, a really modest number. And we got into the recession and it was a large two-digit number, like, you know, 701,000 jobs are lost in the month of March. You know, that you figure on average, that's what, about 175,000 a week, obviously skewed towards the end of March. But for the most part, you know, the number of job losses per week is, you know, a five-digit number, in terrible cases, a six-digit number. Um, but it never really ever exceeded a million. But this last week, it was six million. So you see this chart going up and down, up and down, a little bit of a bump during the Great Recession. And then you get to today, and that chart goes, ooh, like just up to the stratosphere. It's just unbelievable. So, And they're saying that April is going to be a lot worse. So Man, from a health perspective, they say it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think it's true from an economic perspective. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, You know, before we got into this uh, mess, it was uh, – the unemployment rate was around 3 percent. I think um, Secretary Mnuchin said uh, it was going to be as high as 20 percent. Most other people are saying probably 12 to 13 percent. That's still crazy. Um, that still is, I think, 12 to 13 percent might be even higher than we, what we experienced in the Great Recession in that 2008-2009 timeframe. So um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough, you know. So that's why I want to really look at what are we all doing and, and what, let's do some future casting. Um, but, you know, we're, we're seeing all kinds of disruption in supply chains. The health healthcare professionals can't get gowns, can't get masks. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about this dependency on China, you know, where we have outsourced so much of our manufacturing that maybe we become a little bit susceptible to, you know, some of these um, the way the political winds may, may be blowing, that we're not really taking care of ourselves, that we may be too dependent on China. That's obviously firing up a lot of nationalists that want to bring manufacturing back to America, which I don't necessarily think is the right answer. Um, I think we need to be managing our inventories and preparing for emergencies. But I think outsourcing a lot of manufacturing, um, you know, I'm a big free trade proponent. So I think that makes a lot of sense because it frees up cash in our economy, you know, because we're buying goods for a lot less money that we can invest in other areas of our of our country. So, uh, but still, people are making that point. You know, that there is a great dependence on China, and that's true. Um, so, and and then you were seeing the debate about essential business and non-essential businesses, and people are getting really fired up about this, and they see businesses that are operating, and then they people start wagging their finger. Are you an essential business? Are you non-essential? You should not be working right now. You should be shutting down. So there's a lot of this, you know, a clampdown on business right now, which is creating a huge disruption in the economy. I mean, there's even stores now, what they're doing is, even if you go to like a big box store, like a Target or, um, you know, other similar kinds of uh, discount stores in certain parts of the country, I know in Vermont for sure, they're actually not allowing you to buy non-essential goods as long as you're at that store. So if you're buying essential goods like groceries or um, bathroom supplies or what have you, but you want to buy a non-essential product, even though it's there in the store, they're not letting you buy it. So it's just an amazing disruption that's happening and it's going to get worse, you know, from a health perspective and from an economic perspective. Um, There's a guy that, um, 
you know, it's kind of an acquaintance of mine that I've gotten to know online. And he shared this with me. And I, I thought this was amazing. Uh, this is kind of a doom and gloom quote, but I, I, I think it's important to share it with you. And he said, a vice president of a, a multi-million dollar franchise is a friend of mine. She tells me that they had negotiated a several month deferment with the holders of a note payable on the company. But at the board meetings, the talk is letting the company go under at this point by defaulting on the loan just because retail will likely be at 50% for the foreseeable future like it is in their reopened stores in China. The board believes that this crisis is the final nail in the coffin for brick-and-mortar retail. They see a depression coming that will dwarf 2008 and will be more reminiscent of 1932. There is no optimism. It will be interesting to see how many feel it is time to throw in the towel and default on their loans of all types. So, wow. So a lot of people have been saying this for a long time, that this economy was just another, you know, another another bubble. You know, we had the real estate bubble that led up to the Great Recession. But we've been having this overinflated stock market, largely driven by monetary policy. And everyone knew that at some point that bubble was going to burst. And when it burst, people said it was going to be bad, really bad, far worse than what happened in the Great Recession. Now, we'll see if that's true, but here is a vice president of a large you know, international company that is predicting that it is going to be very ugly. So it, it makes you think here for a moment, you know, we're in the beginning stages of this, you know, 6.6 million unemployment filings just last week. We get into April, it's going to get worse. And, you know, they, they've essentially frozen huge portions of the economy. It's, it's stalling the economy. Are we going to be able to get it started again once we come out the other side of this pandemic? It's, it's, it's interesting to consider this. Now, what are some of the things that we think are going to change? And there's some good and bad. And I, I think, you know, hitting on the point of this, uh, um, this VP that I quoted, yeah, I think uh, brick and mortar retail is going to really suffer. I think that as we're going through this crisis, there's a lot more buying online. People are seeing the convenience in buying online. I think e-commerce is only going to grow. Um, I think retail at the storefront is going to shrink. I think that's for sure. It makes you wonder about customs too. Like, you know, we always handshake in the United States. It's a common thing, but I used to do business in Japan in the early 1990s. I did. I worked for a Japanese software company, and I would go back to Tokyo, and they would often shake hands with me, thinking it was the American custom. But they were going out of their norm because normally they just bow. And and there's it's interesting also in a business setting with Japanese it, the the presentation of the business card is a very important ritual. Now, let me just go off on a tangent. I think this is an interesting story because when a person hands you a business card, it's a very sacred moment. Um, in America, we get a business card and we're like, yeah, right. We put it in our breast pocket and we move on. That is unbelievably insulting in Japan. Getting a business card, you take a moment and you look at it and you read the person's name and title. And then you look it back at the person and show respect. And then you look at the card again and show respect and you set the card down on the table carefully, respectfully. And then by also by understanding that person's title, then it gives you an opportunity to understand if you're speaking to a, um, 
you know, a person that is above you, below you, or at your same level, and then you adjust your language appropriately. So it's, it's fascinating. But I think it's interesting to ask ourselves here in America, what about handshaking? Is that something that we're going to see less of? I think we'll, we're going to see a lot less of that. And, you know, not just the elbow bump, but I think literally people are like going to greet each other. I think there's going to be less handshaking. People even speculated there's going to be less high-fiving in sports. I mean, who knows where this is going to go? Um, the one thing that I think, and I've talked about this before, the, the silver lining of this whole crisis when we come out the other side – I think is this whole work from home, study online uh, situation. I think this is going to be fantastic for a lot of reasons. Um, it, it frees us up. I mean, we're going to have, you know, for those of us that have the opportunity to work from home, we're going to be able to uh, have f- far more flexibility, better work-life balance, less riffraff and rat race, less of hassle of commuting and traffic jams. And by the way, for all of us, that will be able to work from home, those that actually have to go into their place of business, the roads are going to be a lot less crowded. They're going to be able to get to where they need to go more efficiently. There's going to be less pollution. And we're already seeing that. I mean, some of the photography up in the Los Angeles area with such clear skies, it's fantastic. So we're going to see a lower carbon footprint that's going to come out of this. Less pointless meetings and office politics and kind of that nonsense that we see in the corporate world. I know, speaking for myself, I've been working from home since the year 2010, and I am just dramatically more productive when I'm working from home because – you know, some people say when you work from home, you have more distractions. I find that I have less when I'm working from home because I don't have people poking their nose in my office and getting yanked into different meetings and, and suddenly your day is shot. Here I can actually get my to-do list done when I'm working from home. So greater productivity, I think it's great. And then some people are even – take this even a step further. There's a guy that I follow on social media, and he's really big on work from anywhere. So he has his own social media agency, and he travels around the United States, and he has an RV. Um, it's actually – excuse me, it's a trailer, you know, one of those really nice trailers that he tows. And he works out of his trailer. He sets up shops, sometimes on the beach in Florida, sometimes in other parts of the United States. And he has this work from anywhere concept. And some people will have that ability. That's the beauty of technology, the beauty of Zoom meetings, the beauty of high speed, um, high bandwidth internet. So just the technology is going to really open up a lot of opportunity. I think we're going to see a lot more people working from home. And even for students studying online, for college students, even for high school students, they're going to be able to get uh, an access to far greater content. Um, they're going to have for themselves a, a greater balance of their schoolwork and their personal life. And for them, less riffraff. I mean, imagine going to college and not having to deal with parking. I mean, parking in college is expensive. It's, it's a hassle. A lot of that's going to be um, set aside. And then even for companies, what a big boom boom this is going to be because they're going to have less office space. Their, their leases, their operating costs are going to get a lot smaller. So there's so much upside to this. I think it's terrific. Um, I think when we come out the other side of this, I, I think there's going to be more entrepreneurism because there's a lot of people that have now suddenly are out of work. So they're going to scramble. I think some of them, I, I hope, are going to really invest in themselves. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more people self-employed, more gig workers that are going to come out of this because companies are streamlining. 
The other thing that we're going to see is this whole concept of heroes. And Pete and I talked about this in the last podcast. You know, after 9-11, you know, suddenly all of our first responders, our police officers and firefighters and ambulance uh, professionals, those were all now considered heroes. Well, now coming out of this pandemic, that notion of heroes has been expanded to doctors, nurses, pharmacists, healthcare workers, but also to grocery store clerks. I mean, Mike Ryan, who was on the podcast not too long, he's now a hero because he's the man in the grocery stores providing all the food and necessary items, those essential products we need to sustain our life. So it's interesting now how that's going to be framed, talking about, um, you know, really this notion of Heroes, And then even delivery drivers, truck drivers now, suddenly some people are calling them heroes because uh, of what they're doing. I mean, never mind the fact that Andrew Yang says some of them are going to be well, – a great deal of them are going to be losing their job with automated vehicles. But um, it, it's interesting how that's all framed. Um, now – you know, I'm I'm a bit, personally I'm a big supporter of individual rights, and that's why this podcast is really about our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, those are those are those rights that empower us as individuals to have control over our life, to choose how we want to live our life, as long as we are not violating the rights of those around us, um, to essentially pursue our own happiness in a rational, long term fashion. Um. I think we're going to see less of this. I I think we're going to see more attacks on individualism. I think this pandemic is bringing together more collectivism uh, because we're coming together as a group of people. And I think that's going to lead to um, a lot of other interesting angles. You know, some people will mock the idea of rugged individualism. Um, My friend Steve Dow, who was also a guest on this podcast, he posted recently on Facebook and he said, rugged toughness and independence, which many act as if are the sole ingredients of the American spirit, will only get us so far, especially in a pandemic. Now, I think Steve's right. I think, you know, individualism only gets us so far. But sometimes when people, and I'm not suggesting Steve said this, but some people, when they talk about rugged individualism, rugged individualism, some people frame them as, oh, you just want to live on an island. Well, that's not when people that support individualism, support individual rights, want to be able to cooperate and to um, trade and to work cooperatively with other people in their community, um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, for helping those in need or doing business, et cetera. Some people frame it very differently. Um, living on a desert island is the is the uh, is often the mocking claim, but I, I think I think we're going to see less support for individualism, at least at first. And I think we're this is playing right into the hands of those that believe we need more socialism, more democratic socialism. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is going to accelerate the United States into adopting single payer health care universal health care, um, expanding more safety nets, more um, welfare programs, more unemployment insurance. Um, I think we're going to definitely see uh, an expansion of the, of the minimum wage. I think that's going to go up because a lot of our heroes are the ones that are on minimum wage. And now we're realizing how valuable they are. So it's interesting how 
we're going to get through this. In some cases, this empowers certain political messages. And in another case, it suppresses different political messages as we go through this pandemic. Um, I'm hopeful that we're going to see less polarization. You know, this notion of, you know, Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives, the notion of coming together as a nation gives us the opportunity to focus on a common enemy, which in this case is COVID-19. So I'm hopeful that we're going to we're going to have a better political environment. Now, I know that might be wishful thinking, um, but uh, I, I think we're learning more and more that this two-party system is a lot of nonsense. I'm an independent voter, and and so you know we look at you know in 2016 for for most voters, our two choices were not very good choices, and people largely held their nose when they voted. Assuming Joe Biden is the um, is the nominee of the Democratic Party, I think we're going to have a similar situation, a case where many people are going to be holding their nose when they vote. Um, I'm hoping that as we pass, get through this, I hope we start seeing less partisanship, less divisiveness in politics. Um, you know, in terms of the two-party nonsense, I mean, look at this stimulus bill that was just passed. And I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. This recent bill, $2 trillion were passed. Now, granted, we have 327 million people in the United States. So if you just did the math and divided $2 trillion by 327 million, that's like $6,116 per person. Are you going to get $6,116? I don't think so. They're talking about $1,200. So you're thinking, well, where in the heck is all that other money going? It's all going to these corporate entities. Um, it's all going to cronyism. And that's and it was unanimously voted on by both parties in the Senate. Um, I think it was like 90-something, 90 96 to nothing. I'm not sure who was not there, wasn't present to vote. But, uh, you know... It, I think when people see more and more of this, they're going to realize that these two parties in many ways are very similar, far more similar than they are different. I think a lot of the progressives, the Bernie supporters are realizing this, um, that the so-called corporate Democrats and the corporate Republicans are very, very, very similar. Um, Are the rest of the voters going to wake up to that? We'll find out. Um, I think we're going we're to see more trust in experts. I think we're going to see more uh, trust in science. Um, and I wonder what that's going to do to the whole climate change discussion. Um, are people going to now begin to take those warnings about climate change more seriously? I'm hopeful that they do. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. And then I think there's going to be a great expansion of telemedicine. And we're already seeing this now where um, doctors are having consults with patients over the phone. If it's not necessary for them to come in the office to have an actual doctor visit, many of those consultations are happening by phone. And there's new technology that's coming forward, this sort of audio-visual um, telemedicine. And you know, there's a, there's a business here in Mentrona, uh, in Poway called Mentronics. It's a, it's a business that I've done a lot of work for. There are great people there. And they, um, they do uh, manufacturing and distribution uh, sort of out 
outsource work for a lot of other companies. And they just released a press release uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, Mentronics, this is from Poway, California. Mentronics, a leading supplier of technical and logistical solutions for the medical device industry, reports a surge in demand for its contract assembly services of telehealth mobile carts. Um, staff is working up to seven days per week to keep up the backlog of new orders for its customers' variety of telemedicine configurations used in hospitals and clinics around the country. So these telecarts, what they are is essentially a audiovisual computer with a large monitor and a camera. And if a, if a doctor is remote from the patient, they can have two-way visual conversation just like um, with Zoom. But this computer also gives the, the doctor access to all the medical records and they can that information can be shared online in a very private, secure connection. Um, we're even seeing cases of this where patients that maybe have a very unique situation need to see a specialist, but that specialist isn't available in their local area, it might be 2,000 miles away, well, this telemedicine allows those patients to consult with those specialists. So I think a lot of this remoteness is going to play its way into uh, the healthcare industry as well. So it's uh, a lot of good news and bad news. I know other people are forecasting other unique things that are going to happen um, as we come out of this pandemic. We're going to learn a lot as we go through it. But I, I, this is a time of great change that's happening in the world around us. Um, so what should you do as you're preparing for this shift that's happening around us? But before we get to that, I just want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, PowayStore.com. Go out to PowayStore.com. All kinds of great gear um, celebrating the city in the country, um, T-shirts, long sleeve shirts. Um, there's uh, coffee mugs, um, all kinds of fun things, sweatshirts that are out there. So go out to PowayStore.com. Get all kinds of great Poway gear. Um, okay, so let's talk about what should you do. And like I already said, tough times are ahead. April's going to be rough. Uh, count on it. You know, we look at the um, the curve. You know, they want to talk about flattening the curve. California is going to peak sometime in late April. I think it's around the 25th or so. And then if I recall, that curve doesn't really bottom out until we get to July. Um, but there's, there's tough times coming. And you know, we, we could very easily be in some form of shelter in place, um, some form of a economic shutdown that could last well into the fall and maybe even for the full balance of the year. Um, we're going to have some very serious shakeup. In many ways, it could be worse than the Great Recession. So hold on to your hat. I mean, things are going to be um, are going to be very difficult. Um, but it's important to understand that you can't change the world around you. Um, all these things are happening. They're out of your control. Much larger forces are involved in this. So you can't manage that world around you, but you can manage yourself. Uh, and this is consistent with what we're talking about with individualism and individual rights, taking a look at what you can do to take a rational approach to improving your situation. Um, so just some advice that I'll share. If you 
are employed, if you um, do have a job, make yourself the most valuable person there. You know, if that company is going to also be going through rough times, make sure that you are the indispensable employee. You are the one that they can't do without. So that means you you need to be showing great hustle on the job and really proving your value uh, because companies are shedding people in large quantities. So if you want to hang on to that job, make sure you are consistently delivering value and really amplify you know what you're doing and communicate and show evidence of the work that you're doing. Um, be that indispensable employee. Um, if you think your career track can be impacted by these changes. You know, if you think that you're, maybe you're a truck driver and you see, you know, Andrew Yang's prediction coming, you know, 10 years down the road, maybe five years down the road of automated truck drivers. Um, Maybe you work in brick and mortar retail. Um, You know, you should be thinking, my goodness, uh, things are going to change here pretty quick. Do I want to have all my eggs in that basket? So this is the time to really begin ramping up your skills. Um, there And there's so much opportunity online to learn new skills, to learn to program, to be a coder, to learn how to do podcasting, to learn how to do graphic design. I mean, to learn how to do video, just as examples. And a lot of these are things that I've learned on my own building this podcast. Um, There's tremendous opportunity out there to learn skills for free on YouTube and and many other courses. Um, And then even some courses for a modest fee for a price less than $100, in some cases less than $1,000, you can learn tremendous skills that you can then adjust your career, shift your career, and evolve as the world is moving around you. Um, So if you're in one of those jobs that you think might be obsolete in the near or distant future, now is the time to ramp up your skills. It's also a great time to start up a side hustle, start up a business. Um, It's never been easier with the internet to start up an e-commerce business, maybe to take your skills and open up shop as a consultant where you can offer your services to businesses. I mean, businesses are going to be shedding employees. They may want to work with independent contractors, um, you know, because they'll have more flexibility in how they manage that schedule. And independent contractors typically make a great deal more on an hourly basis than a hired employee does because that independent contractor doesn't come with all the overhead and there's no guarantee that they have to work 40 hours. So you can take advantage of that by creating a side hustle and really diversifying your income streams. So you have multiple channels of revenue that come in. I mean, ultimately, we can't be dependent on a single employer in this world unless you are fortunate to be one of those people that works in a rock solid business and you've got a a career that's going to be largely unaffected by this. Um, But, you know, the days of working for a single employer for 40 years, I mean, that's hearkening back to the 1950s and 1960s. And the world is very, very different now. Things move more quickly. It's a lot more dynamic. You can't have all your eggs in a single basket unless you're in one of those unique cases. So now is the time to diversify your income streams and not be dependent. I mean, what am I doing? I mean, I'm building this podcast um, and I'm trying to build some additional um, products and services that I can put into the marketplace and sell, um, trying to attract sponsors and advertisers for this podcast to essentially monetize it. And I've been in business on my own really since 2000 and, oh, my alarm is going off. 
Okay. I've been in business on my own really since 2003. And so, you know, I've had diversified income and, um, you know, I gain clients, I might lose clients. Uh, and that's worked well for me. I was able to weather the storm during the Great Recession. Um, all of my eggs are not in a single basket. And I think that's, in my opinion, good advice as we go through this. Um, and um, I think, you know, I commented on this before. Previously, um, chaos is a ladder, and there's a positive and a negative angle to that, and I'm going to focus on the positive. With this shift that's happening in the economy, there's great opportunity, great opportunity to advance yourself, great opportunity to showcase your value, great opportunity to start a business, to learn new skills, to reposition yourself so that when we come out the other side of this, when this pandemic is in our rearview mirror, you are well positioned to take advantage of the changed world. So um, I would really encourage people to take a hard look at what they're doing in their career and make sure that they are optimized for what the future is going to bring to us. Um, so if you want to continue the conversation, visit us on social media, you know, the John Riley Project. We have a Facebook page out there, so please join us. Um, and if you want to get on our mailing list, go to uh, johnreillyproject.com slash subscribe. If you want to connect with us on any of our social media pro- uh, platforms, go to johnreillyproject.com slash connect. And there you'll see all the um, areas where you can engage with us. Yeah. And even leave some comments in the YouTube channel. That's always appreciated. Um, Got a couple of closing quotes I like to share in these solo podcasts. The first one is from um, big time movie actor Ryan Reynolds. Can't believe I'm going to be quoting him, but he says, any kind of crisis can be good. It wakes you up. And man, that's right on. You know, this is this is an opportunity. The world's going to be shaken. You're going to be shaken. It's going to wake you up. And that can be a very positive thing to get you out of a lull, out of a comfort zone. Um, and then Warren Buffett, um, I you know, one of the richest men in the world, I think the first or second most wealthy man in the United States, Warren Buffett said, I think the most important factor in getting out of the recession, and I think this quote is actually from the Great Recession about 12 years ago. I think the most important factor in getting out of the recession actually is just the regenerative capacity of American capitalism. That's a great quote because capitalism, when we are producing uh, goods, producing services, we're essentially making money. We are growing an economy and building on something. And it's typically capitalism that incentivizes the innovators, the entrepreneurs to come in and take us to new places, take us to new opportunities. And in the end, while we're seeing a lot of socialism now with bailouts and safety nets and, you know, a lot of cronyism, frankly, um, That is only a temporary thing. Um, If we really want to get out of this and have a high rate of growth and see more uh, prosperity and economic opportunity, it's going to be capitalism that drives us out of this. And and Warren Buffett is absolutely right. So, um, wow, we're already to the end. So thanks for joining us. This is The John Riley Project, episode number 124. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed this. Stay safe out there, friends. Be healthy, and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye.